When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. March is here and it's the best week of the year. The NCAA tournament is upon us and welcome to the Spartan Confidential Podcast. I am not Brandon Champion, as you might tell. I'm Kyle Austin. Brandon, we should note, became a father this week. So congratulations to him. He is taking some much needed paternity, probably knee deep in diaper changes and feeding. So Godspeed to him. But without him, the show goes on. Kyle Austin here with Matt Wenzel to talk about Michigan State heading to the NCAA tournament as a number seven seed facing number 10 seed Davidson in the West region. First round game Friday, 940 p.m. Get your coffee ready. Matt, are you ready to stay up late on Friday night? You know, I knew, I just, I don't know, I had a feeling that it was going to be, no matter what, it was going to be that last window time, you know, it'll say 940 or 957, then the games all get bumped back. And next thing you know, everybody on Twitter's complaining because the news <laughs> of the times 1020 or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I love, I love this time of year. This is, you know, I went back in high school, I used to skip school just to go mm-hmm. home and watch, you know, watch tournament games or, you know, sometimes we had some teachers that were cool and put on the games in the classroom, but. The first week of the tournament, I agree, is always a ton of fun. You know, you get games from noon till till midnight, and it's always a blast, you know, just, you know, watching, hoping to see some good basketball, some good finishes. Sometime when I'm not doing this job anymore, I need to do the go to Vegas for this weekend thing. I've heard that's unbelievable. Like the first two, three, four days, you know, betting on games, having, you know, being in the betting parlors there with the huge screens. I've heard that's unbelievable. That's on my bucket list. But yeah, as far as time, like I knew... This like if they win and Duke wins, like that's they haven't announced it yet. That's guaranteed to be a late game. Sorry to break news yeah. to you. Um, because that's their key matchup. I was so that kind of made me worried about the first one. I had held out hope that it would be earlier, but no such luck. But hey, we'll get to sit around then and, and watch games all day at least. Yep. All right. So moving on, Michigan State enters the NCAA tournament after a semifinal performance in the Big Ten tournament, beating Maryland for the second straight game, upsetting uh, Wisconsin, number two seed Wisconsin on Friday night, and then falling to Purdue. You know, a showing I think that they really needed. I, I know that they had won their final game of the regular season against Maryland, but, you know, they were three and seven in their last 10 games entering the postseason. That, that was tied for the worst 10-game mark to close your regular season in time is zero. That goes all the way back to 96. So not a lot of good vibes. Before that Maryland win, they had lost back-to-back big on the road at Michigan, on the road at Ohio State. The feeling around that building was not very good. Low confidence. Time is was really getting into his leadership. So I, I think that and that Big Ten tournament did more to me to change the mood around a team than at any other point, any other team I've covered. I think the NCAA, the Big Ten tournament can kind of be a throwaway sometimes. Like I've, I've seen Michigan State teams go there and 
frankly, seemed like they're trying to lose. 2019, they didn't play Cassius <laughs> Winston through Foster Lawyer, which... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk and plenty more. And he won more. that game for him. Yeah, he did. Yeah, we'll talk plenty more about Foster here coming up. But they were, they were I mean, all but trying to lose. Foster goes out there and uh, hits a bunch of threes, and then they go on and, um, and make a run. So it, it doesn't always do much. But I, I thought this Big Ten tournament was more meaningful to this team because it had been struggling more going in. I think it needed to see some shots go in. I think it needed to get some confidence. And they did that, you know, the Wisconsin one being the biggest one. But even against Purdue, playing a team like that, the way that they did for 35 minutes. I mean, I don't know what you thought watching match. I thought that was a pretty good showing for a team playing its third game um, in three days and what happened to Tyson Walker at the beginning. Yeah, you're, I mean, your take on it's obviously going to be a lot different than mine. You were there in Indianapolis. I was doing what? people in their 40s do of course you schedule your vacation around college spring break because <laughs> you can't miss football practice but no i was in arizona so I, I watched the maryland win to open the big 10 tournament thought you know get a win whatever move on you know at least you didn't blow the the huge lead in the second half which they trash you michigan had just done it in the uh, the game before right or the game i can't remember the order two games before yeah yeah so i didn't get to see a second of the wisconsin game because it was uh flying and it didn't didn't work out but yeah, I watched it all, the whole Purdue game. I thought it was, you know, not taking any moral victories out of losses at you know at this point. But I thought it was a strong showing for them. You know, when you lose Walker early and the freak accident with Walker and then and then Hogarth both injured, sprained the ankle like in, in a matter of fifteen seconds or whatever. But I thought they showed good fight staying in that game with 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 Walker out, but with some foul trouble. When you're asking some guys to play a ton of minutes, like like you know uh, Hogarth didn't come out in the second half, right? Big played. A lot, and I, I know you noted that you know it was like, you know, the last time he played three games in a row was in one of one of the tournaments, and, and you look gassed on day three. So you know, you come back and you make a game of it, and you just give up those those back to back threes that were really to me that seemed to be the difference. But I thought overall it was a, you know something for them to build on going into the tournament, and it would sure I'll hope if if Walker is not um, severely limited due to his ankle. So my sense on that, we talked to Tommy Zoe on Sunday, we talked to him on. On Monday, which is today, you know, Tyson Walker's ankle is kind of the biggest thing going into this. You know, anybody who's rolled an ankle knows that it's kind of a wait and see thing. You know, there's no breaks is about the only definitive thing we can say about it. And past that, it kind of depends on the severity of it, which, you know, there's a wide range of severities of rolled ankles. I mean, AJ Hogarth did the same thing. And as you mentioned, came back and played 35 minutes. Walker's was clearly worse. He tried to go. I mean, he was up walking around. It wasn't like, like if you saw the Arizona kid, you know, he was in a wheelchair after basically doing the same thing. So, you know, Tyson Walker's were somewhere between AJ Hogarth's and Kirk Kreese's sprained ankles. But my sense is that he's going to be able to play in some fashion on Friday. Uh, you know, I think that's kind of realistic. They were, they were thankful that they pulled a Friday game. I do think even that extra 24 hours is going to make a difference. You just need time for it to heal up. Mm -hmm. My question is, like, how effective is he going to be? Because there's there's being out there and there's being out there like yourself. You know, you're you're shooting three pointers or you're getting the lift you need or your shots coming up short. You know, when you when you make that move to the basket, do you can you push off that foot like you usually can? Can you push the break as well as you need to and make your cuts? I don't think Davidson's going to I mean, they're they're more of a jump shooting team. So I don't there's not, you know, he's not guarding Jaden Ivy or something. Um, but can he defend well? And you know, when they've needed a big shot at the end of a game, he's been the guy that, that's hit it, or at least have been taking them lately. And is he going to be in position late in the game to be able to do that? Those are all my questions. I think my sense is he will be out on the on the court in some form, but I'm not sure which. And, you know, Hogarth, who you mentioned, if he can play like he did against Purdue, that minimizes, you know, Tyson Walker's potential being limited. But that, that has not been a given this year for him. So the, the, that's the big thing. I mean, how good is Tyson Walker? 
And if Tyson Walker is not up to where he needs to be, can AJ Hogarth pick up the slack? If AJ Hogarth has one of his big turnover games, that's that's bad news. Isn't that bad? Hasn't that really been one of the knocks against him this year? Good game, bad game. Maybe. Yeah. Would, you know, even wasn't it after the Michigan game where, where Tom had said he was kind of hesitant to really keep a bunch of praise on him because he knew what would usually follow is, you know, a good game. That just kind of seems like an up and down kind of year, which is, you know, pretty symbolic for the whole team, you know, as, as far as that's concerned. So let's talk about Davidson. You know who Davidson's point guard is, Foster Lawyer. Played three seasons at Michigan State, entered the transfer portal after last year, and heads out to Davidson, best known as Steph Curry's alma mater. And if, if you haven't followed, you know, college basketball nationally or checked in on Davidson, he's had a great season. You know, he's kind of, you know, double-digit score. He's kind of turned into the player. If you watched him at Clarkson High School, kind of turned into what people hoped or thought he would be at Michigan State. 40 plus plus percent three-point shooter, you know, spreading the ball around. He's playing winning basketball. And I watched him on Sunday in the Atlantic 10 title game. I don't know if you had a chance to catch that. So he hurt his foot late in the season in like mid-late February, plantar fasciitis, and missed four games, came back. He was, you know, he was out there gritting it out and he was good. He's had two 20-point games since then, so it's not like he's ineffective, but he, I don't know, he looks a little bulky to me. And I wonder how much that foot is still affecting him. And I wonder, you know, if you get into him a little bit, play defense, I wonder how good he really feels. But, you know, that's not to take away, you know, he he made the move to me that you need to make, you know, when you go in the transfer portal. He this The Big Ten, no discredit to Foster Lawyer, which is not the right level for him. And and he found the right level at, in the Atlantic 10 at Davidson, and he's done great. You know, in a practical sense, it's going to be interesting because he knows Michigan State so well. He ran this offense for three years. He's the son of a coach. He knows Michigan State's personnel. He knows all their plays. I, I do think sometimes this kind of aspect is overrated. You know, if you've got a coach who switched teams or something like that. I, I, I do wonder how much that helps Davidson, though. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, just about how. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think, you know, it is a rare situation where you have not only a point guard, not only a guy who spent, you know, three years, but he was a team captain. And look, mm-hmm. I mean, you just. It's not the average run-of-the-mill guy. I mean, I think it's not just throw names out there, but, you know, would it be the same if you were playing Rocket Watts again? Right. Probably probably not, you know, just to the length of time and maybe, you know, just the way it worked out. I, I don't know. I think it's it's really intriguing. I wanted to turn on the, the, the A-10 championship, but I had, I had coming off vacation, I had to get some football stuff done. <laughs> and I saw the tweets about it, and I knew if I... Wandered in the other room and turned on the TV and put on basketball. It was not going to be a productive afternoon for me for what I need to do. But yeah, I mean, yeah, by all accounts, it seems like a, you know, good fit for Foster. Like say, you know, size wise and, you know, what the demands are, you know, that's Davidson's a better situation for him. And, you know, this is what you want to see out of the transfer portal. You know, guy played and like Tom said today, there was no animosity when mm-hmm. he left, you know, they, it was done the right way. And he's a guy that he roots for and, and hopes he comes back to Michigan State as a GA and because he thinks he's going to be a coach. So. There's obviously respect on both sides. So uh, interesting to see how that plays out on Friday. But I do agree that when you got a guy like that, he's going to have some intimate knowledge of what you like to do offensively, how much that will actually play out on uh, Friday night or early Saturday morning, maybe even. We'll see, but a very, very intriguing matchup. But of course, the NCAA would never, ever take that into account when when putting teams together on, on a break, right? I mean, you would never say, that this looks really entertaining. No, and you never, you and you would never, of course, schedule a second round matchup between Tom Izzo and uh, and Coach K on purpose. Absolutely we'll, we'll, not. We'll, we'll get we'll get to that though. Last one on Foster Lawyer is something that you just mentioned in that he left Michigan State on very good terms. And asking about him this week, 
not a bad word to say about him from the staff to his former teammates. And he was always just such a polarizing player because when he, even when he came out of high school, it's like, there's a faction that said that dude looks like Steph Curry, you know, can hit, hit three pointers, like nobody's business. And then there's half who said, looked at, you know, his athleticism, his size and said, he can't play in the big 10. So it's like, as soon as he got to Michigan State, it was like the fan base was split in half and there seemed to be nobody in the middle. Like you either thought he was going to be a dude or you thought he was going to not work out. And I guess the faction that thought he wasn't going to work out, you know, some of them, I, and I do think this is a very small minority, were pretty vocal about that in a not so nice way. And that, I can tell you that that always bothered Tom Izzo and it still bothers him today. And to the point where he was threatening folks today, anybody who wants to tweet anything mean about Foster Lawyer on Friday night, you, Tom Izzo may show up at your house over the weekend with a, with an implement in his hand because he, um, he has thought of very, very well at, at Michigan State. So it's, it's a fun storyline. It'll be fun to see. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe for, we'll talk to Foster on Friday. We'll see how he feels about it. Maybe he's not looking forward to it as much as anybody else, but <laughs> it's, it's something fun to talk and write about this. But Davidson, just to give a quick overview, is, is way more than Foster Lawyer. You know, they've got four starters shooting above 40%. I think people, when you think of Davidson, you think of shooters, you know, Steph Curry and whatnot. And, and that's what they've got. They've got four guys I and mean, they're starting lineup shooting above 40%. Their last is shooting like 37. They're the, I think they're the eighth best three-point shooting team um in the country so they can they can hit from everywhere and then you know outside i mean there's a couple names to know but outside of foster lawyer uh, luka brakovich if am i pronouncing that right he was the a10 player of the year he's there he's the big guy he's six foot ten but you know he's a 40 percent three-point shooter too but can post up so asking israel about him yesterday he said yes you know any team that shoots that well and you know they get hot in the ncaa tournament you know you're toast that's the big danger but he point out that's not all they are and that, you know, they do have a post presence and they are a little bit more well-rounded. Won the A-10 regular season, won 15 games at one point, beat Alabama. That was kind of their big win. Scuffled a little bit late in the season, lost that A-10 uh, tournament title game, lost a couple games down the stretch, but still, I mean, you get in that large bit out of the A-10, you, you're a pretty good team. So that that's going to be a challenge, I think, for them. I mean, the Vegas had them at I think it was Michigan State and minus one and a half, minus two. I mean, it, it, it's going to be a pretty close game. I think a lot of it will come down to how Michigan State can defend the three-point line. So talking more about what we were TV-made games, if Michigan State wins and if the uh, the other side of their pod goes as expected, Sunday night we will have Michigan State versus Duke in the second round. And in case you've been living under a rock all college basketball season. Matt, have you heard this? Coach K is retiring after this season. No, that's news to me. I, <laughs> no, I know what he's done. And it's, you know, respect for what he's accomplished. I don't like the retirement tour. Thing. No. It just feels like it just, yeah, I don't know. It just feels dragged out. And like, I, I kind of prefer the coaches to just say, you know, basically screw this. I'm done. I, I've had enough of this. I, I'm just, I'm ready to walk away and not do the song and dance, you know, 30, all the, every road game you play all season and, and all that stuff. Getting a rocking chair from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who's always the old Illinois coach? I think I brought this up one time. They gave him the, no, it was Judd that got the helmet from uh, Judd's last uh, season. <laughs> he was at Illinois. They gave him a helmet. Can't remember the Illinois coach because it had a game he had been played there years past. He slammed the ball and it accidentally came up and hit him in the face. So <laughs> that right. was, that was, you know, stuff like that. Okay. That's pretty funny. I get some, some humor out of that. I don't know. It just kind of, whatever it's, you know, so that's how, how he wanted to do it and announced before the season started. So, you know, you put in 42 years at one school, you've won what five national championships or whatever. 
I guess you can do whatever the hell you want. My, my real quick thought on that is he can do what he wants to. He's done that. I, I thought it was not a very fair position to put players in. I, I think it's hard enough to be a freshman superstar going into Duke and all the expectations that come with that. But then adding the Coach K retirement tour on top. I'm sure they all say publicly that they embrace it and that's what they want to do. I wonder, frankly, you know, <laughs> if that if that's really the case. Because you look, if you caught any of the uh, the Carolina game, man, yeah, the last game at Cameron. Yeah, I felt, I felt, I felt for those. The last game at Cameron. I mean, I cannot imagine a regular season game with more expectations than that. And it just, yeah. it looked like a team that just completely wilted under the pressure. So, and how does that translate to the, you know, kind of bringing it back to Michigan State? How does that translate to the NCAA tournament? I mean, they... These guys are good enough to win the whole thing. And, you know, you know, winning Coach K's last game at Cameron is one thing. Winning him a national title to end his career is a whole is a whole other one. And I, I can't imagine the expectations for that. So, I don't know. Does this team rise up and mean it? Do, do they completely wilt under that pressure? Which, frankly, we've seen them do, I think, against North Carolina. And, you know, if you watch them in the ACC tournament, I mean, I'm not sure how much they care about the ACC tournament, but they did not have a, a great tournament final, lost that by 15. I, I think we've seen signs that the pressure has been difficult to handle for these two players. And, and, and many a good team have, have lost games like that and gone on a run. But that, that's what I wonder, I guess, about this two team, if it comes to that, is, is like, how is that? frankly, unique pressure unlike any we've ever seen before in the sport affecting them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, obviously a tough spot to be in when you have, you know, one of the, I don't know where, where, where you'd rank Coach K, you know, I wouldn't probably, you know, somewhere in that top. I think you can argue three. one. Okay, yeah, you, you can argue one, yeah. But, you know, if you have arguably the, you know, greatest college basketball coach in history and use your coach and this is it for him, yeah, that's a tough spot to put some 18, 19 year olds in, uh, you know, to handle that pressure that, I mean, there's already a tremendous amount of pressure playing in the NCAA tournament, regardless of who you are, much less one of the top seeds with a chance to win. And then obviously you add on the coaching part to it. And I don't know, that's, that's, that's a tough spot. So I'll be interested to see how it plays out. And if we get Michigan State Duke in the second round on Sunday, boy, <laughs> I'm fun with those storylines. Oh gosh. So I'm, I'm very curious for Tom Izzo because chances are, Somebody will be the coach and the team that ends Coach K's career. The winningest coach in college basketball. Like you win, you end their career. You stop the dream of ending on a national title, which, which is a legitimate possibility. Like, like, are there mixed feelings? Like, I know the fan base would go crazy and that would be, you know, would completely love that. Like Tom Izzo is, thinks very highly of Coach K, their friend. I do wonder how much mixed emotion there would be if Michigan State is able to win a game like that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's your job to win, you do. But I do wonder if he'd feel bad at all or, or I don't know, or, or if they lose, if it's like, well, we had, you know, we lost, but, you know, I really hope Coach K goes out on top. I don't know. It, it, it's got a dynamic I, to it that I can't remember any other game before having if it happens. Well, well just based, I would just tell you the Michigan State fan base on Twitter that you see would uh, be probably 99% loving the fact that they get to beat right give him his his that last the loss in his last game i'm sure tom, tom wouldn't tom would be like that you know would he maybe secretly never admit like get a little bit of like you know for all the times duke stuck into him that he got in this last <laughs> one tom's competitive enough that you could i could definitely see that but he's not going to go out there doing cartwheels if they get matched up and that's what happens he's got mm-hmm. too much respect for for coach k obviously and i don't know it, it's made for uh you know Hell of a hell of a matchup if that's what happens. 
I'm looking forward to it. So before we get to the basketball on Friday night, Michigan State football will hit the practice field for the first time this spring, opening spring practice on Tuesday. Matt, you will be there. I'm looking at the schedule now. It looks like you will be there at 8.15 a.m. there on, on Tuesday morning. Checking out some uh, some guys in pads. You had a chance to talk to Mel Tucker today, which is Monday, kind of for the first time in a while, it sounds like. What did you learn and, and what are you kind of looking for here in spring practice? Well, um, I'm looking for it to be a little later start than what it is, <laughs> but uh, I'm not doing so well spending a week and two-hour time change and then get hit with daylight savings time after getting back. So, oh, well, it's better. I'll take 8.15 practice over a 9.40 tip time. So, yeah. Anywho, well, actually, you know, to kind of recap everything that was right before Mel's presser started this afternoon, got uh, confirmation from program spokesman that linebacker Ben Van Sumeren is in the transfer portal. So he's the first guy to go in since, uh, I believe, Parks Gissinger uh, about a month ago in February. Obviously notable because he played three seasons at Michigan and transferred to Michigan State last year. You thought going in, maybe he could earn a starting role because of the way the linebacker Room got overhauled, but it wasn't his job. It was Halliday and Crouch. You know, Van Sumeren played mostly. He played 122 defensive snaps. I had a dozen tackles. He got one spot start when Halliday had to sit out the first half at Rutgers for targeting. But yeah, I mean, he was a role player. And and you look at with who they got coming back, they returned basically the whole playing group from last year. You know, Noah Harvey, who isn't using the extra year, and then Chase Klein, but he had entered the portal back in September. So, but, you know, Michigan State added to more linebacker transfers in, in Jacoby Winman from ULV and Aaron Roulet from, from Mississippi State. I haven't talked to Ben since it, it got announced, but you just kind of read the writing on the wall. It looks like there's a lot of competition at linebacker and you might be on the outside looking in. So that's one, you know, one note before the presser the roster came out. There's really no big news from new, from the updated roster. You know, the guys that were the mid-year additions are all accounted for. And there's one scholarship guy missing, defensive end Zach Slade, who Really hasn't played much in four seasons there. He's the twin brother of Jacob Slade. And a spokesman said he is uh, graduating and just kind of moving on from football. So uh, aside from that, to get to what Mel said, he started obviously talking about basketball because he had just finished up for Tom and Tom wanted to introduce him for the day. Those two seem to have an interesting dynamic. But Mel basically said that, you know, he thinks that this team is picking up where they left off. You go back to last offseason, these guys are off for a little bit longer. And, and this offseason, the Peach Bowl was December 30th. You know, they had basically a little more than two weeks and they were back starting their strength and conditioning program, which lasted eight weeks. So there's some benefit there. He thinks they're, they, you know, showed up basically where, where they were in shape, but it, in kind of Mel, Mel Tucker fashion, it was like, there was a question about like quarterback depth beyond Peyton Thorne. Cause you know, he is the only quarterback on the roster who's taking a snap in college and Mel was given an answer. And then he starts to, you know, when the, when the words start coming together, he starts getting himself really hyped up and, and getting animated. And next thing you know, he's talking about open competition. There's no sense of entitlement. You know, we have to have this mentality. I don't know. It's kind of funny when you see him wouldn't do that, but I mean, he was pumped up this morning. He said, you know, it's, it's nobody going to be comfortable. It's a constant pressure cooker. You know, just because you started last year, doesn't mean you got the job this year. So yeah, he's fired up. <laughs> I, I can just say that. So I, I was sitting in the back of the press room that Tom talked and then Mel talked. So I had headphones on trying to work on a basketball story because you're it, it's your deal in football right now, but uh, two, two or three times oh, through my headphones, I just hear Mel shouting, you know, and I take him off for a second. I'm like, what is Mel yelling about? You know, but that, that is exactly what you just said. Like he just, he's fired up, you know, and he's, I mean, everybody has energy, but like, I was kind of taken aback, which is kind of his kind of mentality towards it and, and kind of the um, enthusiasm and energy he brought. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he, if he says relentless and sometimes Mel will get up there and kind of not really say anything. Other times he wants to make a point, he gets really excited. And today, I mean, he said the excitement was around it being good on good in spring ball. Cause you know, you're not in season. There's no scout mm-hmm. teams that are working. So you got guys competing for jobs and you basically say, if you want to go out there and prove yourself, now's the time where you can make huge strides individually. And as a team, you figure out in, in the spring where you're at and go into summer knowing what you need to work on and, and, and go from there. So no real super news coming out of it. I mean, one note, they have three new assistant coaches, but aside from that, Mel noted that defensive coordinator, Scotty Hazleton is moving from working with defensive ends, which was never associated with his job title, just a defensive coordinator to he's now moving to work with linebackers. Ross Ells, who's special teams coordinator who worked with linebackers, is now working with nickelbacks. I don't remember if I've mentioned on the pod before, but with the way Mel reshuffled his staff, with basically, you know, Ron Burton left as a defensive line coach. Marco Coleman replaces him. Brandon Jordan's a new pass rush specialist. And instead of having two secondary coaches among his 10 on-field staff, Arlen Barnett oversees the secondary. Mel will help coaching corners. He mentioned that the last time we talked to him in January, but he emphasized that on his own today and said Brand Jordan will work with anybody rushing the passer, whether that's a defensive lineman or safety. So yeah, he said that, you know, that's juiced. He likes his new hires, <laughs> he knows what they're doing and can help in recruiting and yeah, he just fired it up. So uh, we'll see. We're going to be out there tomorrow morning for practice, talk to some guys afterwards. And one thing Mel said today when he was, uh, I don't remember if this was on that rant, but you know, he said, nobody cares what we did last year. Last year wasn't good enough anyways. I mean. That, that'll tell you something. I don't think you're expecting a coach to go up there and go, yeah, we're, we're completely happy with losing to by 50 to Ohio state and, <laughs> and, you know, but I mean, to go from two and five to 11 and two, there's some sense of satisfaction and there was at the end of the season, but now it's a new year. Nobody's going to be patting themselves on the back. Cause that was, you know, that was right. What you did last year doesn't matter. So well, I'll be interested to see what comes to spring practice. So there's, you know, we'll have, well, obviously we can update this as we go along and learn a little bit more talk to some more guys but interesting team after an interesting season so you will be at practice on tuesday wednesday is michigan state's pro day so you'll get to see and talk to some uh guys some nfl draft hopefuls working out on campus there i will head down to greenville south carolina that day and starting on thursday we'll talk to some players coaches down there check in with foster lawyers see what's up a quick note for anybody who's in South Carolina, 410 to 450 p.m. on Thursday at Bond Secor's Wellness Arena. That's the only time I have to say that this week. Um, and they're in Greenville. Uh, Michigan State will hold its open practice, uh, which is kind of a NCAA tournament tradition. Didn't have them last year, obviously. Didn't have them in 2020 because there was no tournament. So if you're in the area of South Carolina, if you have tickets, that's always a fun uh, thing to come go to. It's, it's a more of kind of a shoot around dunk contest than a, than a practice, but I would recommend anybody listening who's going to be in the area to check that out because that's always fun. I will be there. Come say hi, shout something at me. And after, from there, it will be on to the NCAA tournament Friday night, 9.40 p.m. on CBS. They got the uh, the A-team crew there, the Jim Nance crew. So that'll be fun. And then we will move on from there and we will pod again next week, either talking about the Sweet 16 or talking about the end of Michigan State season and, and more football as it rolls on. So. Busy time, fun time, a lot to talk about, covered a lot today, and we appreciate you listening. So for Matt Wenzel, this is Kyle Austin on the Spartan Confidential Podcast, and we will talk to you later. Oh.